Lord, we love you. We do love you. Thank you for your word. Let your anointing come now. Bless your word, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, good. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 5. And uh, we will finalize this morning the series we've been doing on glory and tribulations. And uh, this has been a rich study for me. So I've, I've been looking throughout the book of Romans, focusing here on Romans 5. There's so many different things you could do. This was by no means a comprehensive study on the book of Romans. But uh, it, it brought the whole thing into greater view for me as we were just looking at the summary section here in Romans 5. And so uh, this morning I want to identify that there is a path that we all have that God has ordained for us to walk in Christ. And uh, I want to talk about that path. And so let's read through our verses again here, Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now, it's, it's, it's extremely important for each of us to understand this, that there is a chosen path of life that the Lord has ordained for each of us. And that chosen path is the way that God is seeing fit to bring us each into maturity and love. So he has a path of life that he has laid out for each of us. And that path is his plan to bring us into maturity and love. It's intricately designed by heaven. Now, each of us have different paths. My path is not your path. Your path is not your neighbor's path. All of our paths are different, and they have to be different. And that's, that's what makes the, the body so beautiful, is that we are different members. We have different uh, abilities and giftings, and, and our pathways are different, yet the Lord uses uh, all of us, uses us interwoven with one another, but uses all of us to bring about his ultimate desires in the earth. And it's important that we embrace our path, our way. Now, it's not our way in that it's the way that I've chosen. It's the way that he's chosen for me, but that makes it my way. And my way is different than yours. And it's important that I embrace my way and you embrace your way because if you covet my way and you live your whole life wishing you could do it the way that I've been able to do it, you will find yourself unfulfilled, bitter, and, and unhappy, and not fulfilled in love by the time it's all over. That's not how God destined you. He destined you to be walking in the way in which He has called you through the different circumstances, trials, challenges. He has a life path for you that is the he, that He puts together, and He, he brings together the... Uh, the specific necessary ingredients to bring you to fulfillment in love. And that's what he's after. He's after bringing you to fulfillment in love. 
And I think we lose much when we look at another's path and we covet their journey or we covet their gifts or we covet whatever it is about them. Um, you're you and God wanted you to be you and he wanted you to have uh, the giftings and the callings that you have uh, as a part of a much bigger plan and he wanted you to walk through your life and, and, and grow through the trials and the challenges that you go through. And, uh, you know, some people say, well, that person's had an easier time than me. Well, I don't know. You know, who knows really what they've really been through? Who really knows what their story is? And then somebody could say, well, no, really. Look at what I've been through. It's a lot harder. And I think that's probably true. I think there are some people in life, they go through uh, what I've heard called a disproportionate amount of uh, injustice. In other words, it's not that it's unjust that they've gotten what they've gotten, but it's just disproportionate. It's not equal to the other person next to them. And, uh, and I think that's right. I think some people go through more challenging things. Some people go through less challenging things. The point you've got to understand is this, that there is a path that is before you that is essential for your growth in God, and it's your path, and that's the path that God wants you to walk on. And when we begin to try to get off of our path and get on someone else's path, I promise you, we err. We don't come into the destiny and the calling and the uh, maturity that God wants us to come into. Now, the thing about our paths, while they're all different, they all have common ingredients. Each of our paths have common ingredients. And the scriptures are clear that these ingredients uh, appear for all Christians who are on their journey into life. They're on their journey into love. And these ingredients appear, like I said, in differing measures, but these ingredients are common to all of us. For instance, all of us, Matthew 7, 14 tells us, all of us have to walk through a narrow gate down a difficult path. That's Christianity. That one, I mean, I know that's real simple, Narrow is the way, is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And Jesus said, and there are few who find it. That seems so elementary, but when you and I take an inventory of our, uh, how should I say it, our personal sense of injustice and our personal sense of entitlement, Ordinarily, we don't stare at Jesus' promise to us in Matthew 7, the narrow gate and the difficult way, and say, well, that's what I deserve. We, we, we tend to think we are entitled to a nice broad gate and a nice easy way. However, there is one gate and one way that leads to life. Your path may be different, than the person next to you, but I guarantee you, your path will entail you going through a very narrow gate and a way that will have uh, incredible difficulties. Some people, their way is difficult continually, all the way into life. Some people, they go through moments of difficulties. Some people, they have a season of difficulties, that ha seasons of difficulties that happen at times. Regardless, 
You and I have this in common. The way is narrow, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, the way is narrow. And the way is difficult. Jesus also said that our path will include things like denying ourself. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. You know, that's just not real popular in America. Deny yourself, follow Jesus. The prevailing mentality is actually indulge yourself. And some of it in the church is indulge yourself and add Jesus to that. But I want to propose that you cannot indulge yourself and simultaneously follow Jesus. That in following Jesus, you have to deny yourself. So he goes, he goes, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. And then he says this wonderful phrase, and take up his cross. And so we all have these nice little images of what taking up the cross may be. You know, it's like that challenge you had to go, that little bitty thing and kind of, you know, speed bump is like hard. I'm taking my cross, you know, because my air conditioner's been out all week and just really I'm going to the cross here with this person because, you know, I don't like them. Taking up the cross. Well, when Jesus says, if any, he says it to his disciples in first century Middle East, Roman ruled Israel. He says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Their whole mentality was this. A guy that's carrying his cross is a guy that's about to get crucified. That would be like you and I saying, if anyone wants to follow uh, Jesus, if, if Jesus showed up in our, in our day right now, he said, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his electric chair. It's like that. And so I guarantee you, our path has a narrow gate. It has a difficult way. I guarantee you, it has aspects of self-denial that we haven't probably considered. It has aspects of death that we probably haven't considered And these things are things that we need to consider. We need to count the cost on these things. And then Jesus says this in verse 25 of Matthew 16. He says, whoever desires to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so then he also said this, that if you're going to follow him, besides there being a narrow gate, besides there being a difficult path, besides there being denying of self and taking up your cross, he says, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. He tells it to his disciples. It's in the last major conversation that they're having right before he's about to be arrested. In John 16, he tells them some really difficult things. And he says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In the world... You will have tribulation. And so, beloved, this is just part of our path. Part of our path in Christianity is the narrow gate, the difficult way, going through trials and tribulations. This is part of our path, taking up our cross, denying ourselves. To think that your path in Christianity is something different than that, it's just not real. 
I'm just getting to the place where the, you know, that it, it, it's actually kind of just, it's just touching me right now, even in, in a fresh way. And I mean this moment, but just this week or two, the idea that the prevailing mentality is that, hey, man, everything's just going to be smooth and easy and, and you're just going to just, you know, it's just all going to be better for you. And, and you know what? Jesus, yeah, he suffered and died, but hey, it's going to be just rosy for you, man. And just, you know, come and pray this prayer and just live for Jesus and be happy and just do life however you wish and, and you'll go to heaven when it's all over. That idea is so false, when you read New Testament Christianity, and I'm just, I'm just getting a little, I probably have a little attitude about that right now. Because it's just not what it says. There are blessings. There's grace. There's favor. There's beauty in this life. There's much to enjoy in God. He gives us all things freely to enjoy. Probably because our path's going to be hard and he's trying to help us get to the end of it. I mean, really. So he says, in this world you will have tribulation. I'm just, I'm just over that, trying to make everybody feel better thing. And trying to talk us all out of having to suffer or all out of having to go through anything hard. That's not what the scripture says. So there's it from the mouth of Jesus. In the world you will have tribulation. He goes, but be of good cheer. I overcame it. What's he saying? How does, Jesus, how does that make me feel better? I'm going to have tribulation. He goes, no problem. I, I overcame it. Well, what are you saying, Jesus? He goes, well, you can overcome it too. That's what he's saying. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the tribulations of this world. You can overcome them too. That's the idea there. So, Romans 5 also gives us some final, and that summary of justification and the benefits we receive, it gives us some common ingredients to all of our path. And we all have a path. You have a path. I have a path. My path is not your path. My path is going to include things the Lord's talked to me about that you won't, you won't go through. You are going to go through things that I won't go through. Our paths are different. But there are common ingredients in all of our paths. And Romans 5 gives us them. And so we've read through it a bunch. Tribulation that produces perseverance. Perseverance that produces character. And character that produces hope. Those four things are all common ingredients to our path. But here's the point, and you've got to get this down. The way that you glory in tribulation... The way that you are exalting in God through sufferings is that little word right there, right after he says, we glory in tribulation, knowing. It's the fact that you know something that enables you to glory through tribulations. And what is it that you know that that enables you to glory? It's that there's a path that you're going to go through, but the end of the path, the end of the path is fulfillment in love. And so while all of our paths have these, these several things that are common to our paths, common to our lives, 
tribulations, that produces perseverance, that produces character, that produces hope, the narrow gate, the difficult way, denying ourselves, taking up our cross. Though those ingredients are all in our path, listen, beloved, if we'll all walk the path, there's another ingredient that's common to our paths. Fulfillment in love. That's where this is going. That's where this is going. Fulfillment in love. There are many days that I've spent in times of prayer. And you probably understand, you probably know this feeling I'm trying to describe there's a feeling I get of dissatisfaction. And uh, I remember when I was little, I would get up and I would look in the refrigerator and I wasn't hungry and I'd go and I'd turn on the television and there was nothing on and I'd want to hang out with the friends. No, and there was just this internal rumbling of dissatisfaction. There's something more I want. And I've experienced this as an adult in times of prayer where I would be experiencing the Lord in great ways and completely hungry and dissatisfied. With that moment of experience with the Lord. Because there's this interplay that goes on between my soul that has a capacity that's far greater than I've ever received. And so my soul and my mind have this conversation. My mind says, I'm feeling God. This should be satisfying. And my soul said, but there's so much room. There's a capacity in here to actually interface with him without any veils. And I've been in those places of prayer where I'm totally touching God and I'm totally aware that I'm only touching just the littlest bit. And that internal dissatisfaction, it just, it continues to, it kind of it haunts you. But the point of all this challenging path stuff is this. God wants to wipe away that he wants to fill that hunger. He wants to wipe away that dissatisfaction. He wants to bring us to that place of, of hope fulfilled in love. And I don't know what that, I, I, I mean, there's, there's a, a glimmer, a glimpse of what that might feel like. But oh, for the day that that is actually realized. And so there is this process of life that we go through and going through this process of life. Ultimately, when we come out the other end, it's satisfaction in love. Everything we go through then, it means this, that God is in it for your good. I'm not saying God makes it all happen, but he's able to take the, the details from whatever you've gone through and he's able to turn it around for good. He's the God that works together all things for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so we get these details, this, this idea in Romans 5 of, of, of being conformed to the image of Christ, this, this process of life from tribulation to fulfillment. That's what he's giving us. And he just lays it out. Paul goes, it's by that grace that we're able to stand and we're able to hope in the glory of God and we're able to glory in tribulations. And here's how, by knowing this, that when you go through tribulation, you're on the path to fulfillment in love. Beloved, land that. Get that. I need to get that. 
when the stuff is starting to get hard, when it's challenging, when persecutions are happening, when things are going negatively for me, when I'm experiencing tribulation, I need to get it that this, I'm on the way. I'm on the way. Having all the dissatisfaction wiped away and all the longings fulfilled. I'm on the way to fulfillment and love. And of all, I'll just stay on the path. There's a day coming when every hope that I have will be realized. And all for that day. So, we'll work through these to wrap up our series Tribulation. We talked about tribulation last week. We talked about glorying in tribulation. And he says, tribulation produces perseverance. You know, tribulation makes you tough. It makes you resilient. I, uh, I love when I, when I meet a man who uh, works with his hands. Outdoors, I've got computer baby hands. I'm just to be honest with you. They're like little baby butt hands. Sorry, and uh, it's they're a little embarrassing, you know. I because when you meet a guy that's been working outside with his hands, and you and you, you you shake hands with the guy, and it feels like he's got a leather glove on. There's just you just you just shake that guy's. I just want to squeeze that guy's hand like. I'm a man too, bro. I mean, there's just something about that work and that labor that's produced that toughness on on those hands. It just says a volume through hands that have been weathered. And, uh, And that's what this is talking about. It's talking about somebody who's been weathered They've gone through the storm, and they're still standing. They're still standing, and they're stronger for it. Tribulation, it produces resiliency in heart. It produces strength inside you. When you go through those challenging circumstances, there's a root system that's produced and built in you that you can't get any other way. That's, that's the one I argue with the Lord about. I'm like, God, I want to be, be approved. But I don't want to have to go through the proving process. I, I want to I grow. Can you, just, can you just press a button and make me 15 years older in the spirit right now? And here's the point. To be 15 years older in the spirit, to have that, that experience of growth, to have real maturity, you have to go through stuff to mature. The process is what produces it, nothing else. I wish there was. Our whole society is predicated upon quick relief Fast answers, drive by, drive through, food, all this stuff. Get it fast, get it now, get rich quick. And the kingdom is not like that. The kingdom is like, get it slow. Over time. Through trials and challenges. 
and learning the hard way. Banging your head against the wall until you go, hey, that hurts. Let's give another answer. You ever notice that? You'll take the same tests over and over and over in life. Oh, I can't stand when I get the same test. I went, oh, gosh, I've been here before. <laughs> this means I've blown it so many times. I already know the question. I mean, it's just like, man, I'm, I'm, the Lord's taking me through the process. Why? He's trying to grow me up. I had a dream the other night. I went back to elementary school. Oh! I woke up from that. I went, oh, no. Come on, at least, come on, put me in high school, Lord, please. I was back in elementary school in my dream. I'm like, surely, Lord, please. (laughs) Guys, we only grow through trials. We only grow up through the experiences we have. What's the the hardest thing for me to, to comprehend sometimes is Christians have been saved 40 years, but they've got one year of experience. And I want, in the spirit, and in the natural, but in the spirit, I want leathery hands that have been tried through much use, through trials that they've become perseverant and resilient. And endurance, this thing, this perseverance, this, it's, it's really the word is Endurance. The New American Standard, they, they translated endurance to almost throughout the whole New Testament. This, this, this endurance, it's so critical for the end of the age. It's so critical for the end of the age. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said, Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Talking about those living at the end of the age through the Great Tribulation. The ones that endure to the end. There is an endurance, a critical, essential feature and facet of endurance that we've got to have in our lives as Christians that is essential for our salvation. Enduring to the end. And you shall be saved. And that endurance comes through trials, through tribulations. James 1 Verse 3, he says this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience is the NKJV. Endurance is the NAS, the same word that's used in, in Romans 5. Testing produces endurance, but let endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Oh, beloved, when you're going through the trial, don't despise it. See it as the opportunity that it is. And I've found this. I've gone through trials and I've given the right answer and I did it with a bad attitude only to find out that the Lord gives me the same test. Because He's wanting me to go through it willingly and obedient. Not just obedient. Hebrews 10.36 says this. You have need of endurance. Same word. You need this. You have need of endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Oh, beloved. How often have we seen people that they, 
they ignite in God and the flame of their heart begins to burn. And then after a while, they don't endure and the flame wanes. And you, you know, and, the, and you end up having the conversation, hey, have you seen so-and-so? No, no, what happened to him? I don't know, I haven't seen him. Yeah, me neither. That precious gift of endurance that the Lord is likely trying to work in their life through a few challenges. How often we've despised that gift. It's an essential piece of our Christian life to have endurance, to stand firm in the end. And it comes through trials and tribulations. So then he says, he says tribulation produces endurance. Endurance, character. Now this is interesting. Because what I'm talking about this with the, the trials producing the endurance and then the endurance producing this character. This word character is a really interesting word. The NAS, New American Standard, calls it godly character. But at other places in the New Testament, it's actually proved or tested or tried. And what he's talking about this, he's talking about the life that's gone through trials, that's endured through the trials, that's built up a capacity to endure even more, and now they are tried. They've been through it. They've got a greater ability to stand, and they are tried. Tried and true, approved. They have character, proven character. I've said this a long time, but we, we don't really know what our Christianity is like until there's pressure. Everybody can amen, glory, hallelujah, and use all the Christianese when everybody's happy. But when everything starts going wrong, when things are, are hard, when the pressure's on, when people are talking bad, when there's not enough money, when, when, when challenging things happen, then we get to see what the quality of our, our Christianity really is. I wish it was different. I wish all of our Christianity was as awesome as it looks on our best day. But the truth of our Christianity is what it looks like on our worst day. Did you get that? What our Christianity really is, is what it looks like on our worst day. It's okay. That just means we're not as good as we thought we were. God's not, God's not surprised with that. He's not up there going, man, that, that, they're so awesome. Oh, what just happened? Bad day, and look at them. He's not freaking out. He knows the truth of who we are. And in his kindness, he is so kind, he will happily offer up some more tribulations to give you perseverance. So you're Character can be better. Because he likes you. No, really. He won't leave you as you are. He's actually jealous for you to become a comparable bride. Comparable to his son. He's actually jealous for you, so he will not leave you as you are. And so this idea of godly character, it's this... It's really the point of conformity to the image of Christ. We've been tested. We've been tried. We've been proven. And our character is, it's real. It's real. It's not just the surface stuff. It's the real heart stuff. Beloved, that's what I want. 
I want the real heart stuff. The character that's really ingrained. It's deep in my heart. It doesn't fold when some pressure comes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I want that version. If I want that version, that means I'm like in line going, lay some tribulation on me, Lord, really. Because that's how it comes. It's the first Peter 1. We just love that. I've said this verse several times in this series. I just love this. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. First Peter 1, 6. Though, thou, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, I want that. Faith tested by fire that may be found to the praise and the glory of Jesus when he's revealed. And so he says, tribulation produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And it's funny because I have a, a young man that picks me up and takes me to the airport when I, when I fly to Kansas City. And I go there every month. And, and he, so funny, random, he doesn't know what I'm preaching on and asks me, he goes, hey, how? He shows up, he goes, I have a question for you. I go, yeah. He goes, I was looking at Romans 5 this morning. I go, yeah. He goes, how does character produce hope? He goes, because I don't, I don't see the connection. I go, that's a great question. And the, the, the way it does is this. When your life has been tested and tried through trials and you've endured and godly character has been, now begun to solidify in your heart, what happens is this. There is a purifying of your motives. There's a purifying of your mentalities. It's, there's a purifying of what you set your hope on. And so he's talking about a purified hope that doesn't disappoint. That's different than many of the things that we hope for in life that do disappoint. He's talking about a hope that doesn't disappoint, that only comes as a result of having godly character forged in your inner man. And the point is this. When you have godly character, there's a purifying of your motives, of your mentalities, of your paradigms. And you begin to hope in God and in God alone. Rather than other systems and other things to, to anchor your soul to, you hope in God and God alone. You go, you know what? I'm going through some tribulations. I'm praying that it's going to produce real endurance and character in me. But ultimately this, I'm hoping in God. I'm not hoping in me. I'm not hoping in my persona or my reputation. I'm not hoping in the bank. Praise God. I'm not hoping in whatever the systems of men are. I'm not hoping in the politician. I'm not hoping in my mom. I'm I'm hoping in God. Oh, to get to that place where I'm hoping in God and God alone. Then you know what? It doesn't matter if you get quote unquote let down. Because if you're hoping in God, he'll never let you down. There's a place to get in heart. Where you understand people and their frailties. You understand the systems of men and their frailties. You understand that things will fail, but you're not anchoring your hope to those things. You hope in God. You live hoping in God. Hoping in His mercy. Hoping in His love. Hoping in His truth. Knowing that no matter what is going on, He doesn't fail. Oh, to live life with that sort of hope. Hope in God. Oh, that's good. That's liberty. There's a freedom of heart. To live hoping in God and God alone. And hope doesn't disappoint. 
Because the love of God's been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit who He's given to us. See, it boils down to this. In this conversation about glory and tribulations, it boils down to this. Where is your trust? Where is your hope? What are you after in this life? Whose fame do you ultimately want? Are you after God's fame? Or are you after your own? Do you want fulfillment in love? Or would you rather have something else that's cheaper, less valuable, and easier to get? See, the whole world knows that it's made for love. They write love songs about it. I, you know, talking about they want to know love. They want to know real love. Everybody knows we're made for love. And Paul lays it out. He lays out the mystery of life. He says, you want to know love? Because there's a pathway you'll have to go on through tribulations that will produce endurance and character and real hope in you. And that hope will not be disappointed because of love. Hope in God doesn't disappoint because love doesn't disappoint. And what is he saying? He's saying, you'll not be disappointed. What does not be disappointed equal? It equals being fulfilled. Here's our pathway, beloved. Our pathway is this. That you and I are on a collision course to fulfillment in love. We're on a collision course with fulfillment in love. And it goes through tribulations. But oh, if you know that's the end, you can glory when the tribulations come. If you know that's the end. I have lots of longings. I'm a man with much, many cravings. I understand what that means to have desires. And ultimately, I'm finding that through the process of my Christianity, all of my desires end up pointing one direction. My soul longs and it pants and it thirsts for God. And here's what it boils down to. I am on a journey into maturity and love and ultimately this, the hope of my heart and the craving and the longing and the desire on the inside that says nothing will satisfy me but God. God's promise is this, that that hope, it does not disappoint. That hope does not disappoint. He goes, I'll prove it to you. I've already poured out love in your heart by the Holy Spirit. He's a down payment of the final purchase possession. There's a finality coming for you and I, beloved. Oh, please hear me. There's a finality coming for you and I that looks so much better. You might be on cloud nine right now in your life, but I promise you, the finality of your life is so much better than anything this age offers. It's called hope fulfilled in love. And I want that with all my being. And ultimately, that's what Paul is getting us to, is this. It's living for the glory of God, living with that hope as an anchor of your soul, living with that desire for love as your chief concern in life. And that hope doesn't disappoint. And that hope is what propels you through all the trials and challenges that we face. I personally feel like I've been about a D, maybe a D plus on a good day in, in how I handle going through trials and challenges. 
I'm not trying to be humble. I'm just trying to be honest. But I look forward to the day when I can glory in the tribulations because the vision of being fulfilled in the love of God is so bright and I can recognize with discernment, I can go, you know what? I'm going through something. (laughs) It's producing endurance and character. Oh, it's adding to my hope. I'm looking for the day I can discern the trial and envision the end. Fulfillment and love. And sail with glory in my heart toward the Lord through the tribulation that comes. And I believe that is the destiny of each believer. That we will be, we are, we are destined. God desires for us to be ones that glory through tribulation. As a shining example of a heart that's solely fixed on God. You know, these words might seem normal, casual. Uh, with a heart that's solely fixed on God, but truly, do we live that way, really? Hearts solely fixed on God? There's an answer to many, many problems and challenges of our, hope, of our hearts when our hope has been purified through the furnace of trials and tribulations. Oh, to live this way. I, I want to step in to the beauty of partnership with Christ and going through tribulations, going through challenges, fellowshipping and sufferings. I want to step into the beauty of that partnership. And What does it even mean that I could be conformed to that image? Think about that for a moment. That you could be conformed to the image of Christ. Conformed to the image of Christ. I want hope that doesn't disappoint. (laughs) I want it. I want fulfillment and love. Amen. Let's stand. So God, we just say that our souls long and crave for fulfillment and love. We truly do. We long for it. And I'm asking now for discernment and courage to embrace the pathway you've laid out before us. that we would comprehend that the path though it has challenges, that it has trials, that in this life we experience tribulation, though that the gate is narrow and the way is difficult, that all of it is under this. There are ingredients that you're working into my soul to bring me to that place of the greatest longing of my heart being fulfilled. That's truth. Hope that doesn't disappoint hope that is fulfilled hope in God that's fulfilled now God I pray that you would make us a people who say yes to you even through tribulations 
who say yes to you, even through trials and sufferings, comprehending our justification, comprehending the reconciliation, but understanding the end thereof. Even like Job, who suffered, but found the end thereof was this, that you had good things in mind for him. God, I pray, let these not just be words we speak, but truths that bear upon our souls. Transform us, conform us to the image of your Son. We wouldn't be those who complain through trials, but God, those that glory through tribulations, knowing the good things that you planned for us.